0: Hello and welcome to Error 204 Podcast. the podcast where we discuss theology from a reformed perspective and daily nerdy things where there's no content that you won't love. I'm Luke Denner.
1: And and I'm Mark Fromey. Wow, you a super delay <laughs> okay okay so so i started you're like I- and i as- oh dude and so i'm mark you're d- so you were doing the uh the intro as i hit play on the live stream and so like you said and i'm luke dinner and i hit play and it immediately because of the delay all i hear is hello and welcome like it started seamlessly <laughs> right into the intro or threw me off
0: nice oh man so yeah, so we're here, we're your hosts, we're clearly professional, we're going to be discussing the love of God today, and then also getting into the GPU shortage that's been happening lately due to the cryptocurrency mining, and just talk a little bit about like what happened there, how stuff exploded, and then also give recommendations on some non-NVIDIA GPUs that you can actually afford still. So that's where we're headed. With that said, let's go ahead and hop into our week. So Mark, how's your week been?
1: So how my week's been? Uh, it's been good. We got to go see a doc, the doctor today for kind of the final checkup, um, which is really good. And we uh, we're just kind of waiting on the baby to to get here now. It could be any day. Uh, I know we were texting you uh, earlier in the week because we thought that um, the baby might be coming that night, and so um, we were. We're pretty much just kind of waiting around at this point. We're ready for the baby to come, and uh, Lindsay can do less and less. Like we went, uh, there was a sale today on outdoor furniture at Target, so we went out there, and uh, she walked back there. We looked at some furniture, picked some stuff out, and I needed to go get a cart because we didn't take one back with us, and she just sat down back there because it was too difficult for her to actually walk. Um, so it's been pretty crazy looking at that aspect of it. Uh, we're just ready for the baby to be born. We've got everything set up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's there's not much else happening in my life right now other than just being on baby watch, so... Nice.
0: So, yeah, my week my week was, I guess, weeks, because, you know, it's been two weeks since we recorded now, but my weeks have been good. Um, I finished up my, my new old job at Edgewell, and then am doing... A or start my new job at the bank tomorrow on Monday, so that should be exciting. I'm 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 looking forward to getting rolling with that because like just because of the way everything was set up at Edgewell, it was slow, and so now that you know I'm I'm actually going to be working again. I'm excited for that to just get back into the swing of things. We had a, a doctor appointment as well this week for the baby, and that all went really well, and so i was excited about that and glad. Do you hear get to see an on.
1: ultrasound yet or anything?
0: So, um, no ultrasound this week, but we should hopefully be getting one. Okay. with With a gender reveal in a couple of weeks here, so. Um,
1: oh sweet. Yeah. Getting close. Yeah,
0: it'll, I guess it'll be about a month before we get it. Yeah, I was going to stink with that one. Is that's an appointment I'm not going to be able to go to? So Ashley's gonna uh, going to know before I myself? do. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, you just heard my wife in the background. Oh, I'm going by myself. Yes, babe, you're going by yourself to that one. So, because I won't be able to get off work for that. So she's going to know before I do. So that's going to be fun. But I've already decided how we're going to do the gender reveal. We're going to have to do... There's an option, or like there's places that sell Tannerite that explode either blue or pink. And so we're definitely going to video me... You just want to shoot something. ...shooting Tannerite and making it go boom. Yeah, definitely. So that should be good. Nice. So... Yeah, so it's been it's been good.
1: The the only acceptable way to do a gender reveal.
0: Exactly. I mean if if you have the option between, you know, cutting a cake or hitting a baseball or making something freaking explode, you have to go with the explosion. I need to turn my steam overlay off. Everyone's going to see what all my friends are playing. So, that's okay though. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, they've been good. Um, let's go ahead and, and hop on into our topics. Let's do our recommendations. We mentioned we were considering doing this. Let's put those between our two topics so it's maybe less of a abrasive jar for people from the heavy to the light. So
1: Yeah, I think that'll be good.
0: And plus, that gives you more time to think about your recommendations since I'm sure that neither of us have them yet. So, again... We're pros. What
1: was my recommendations last week? Yeah, I
0: don't even know. We need to start like logging that so that way we don't double up on them. Uh, We're just going to give you guys the same <laughs> recommendations every week. So this week for my book, I recommend the Bible. And for my video game, I recommend Rainbow Six Siege. And then just do that every time. <laughs> so, Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, topics at hand. So the love of God is is our theological topic for today. And the reasoning for this is... There have been several discussions that Mark and I both have been a part of where there's just been a, a terrible misunderstanding of the love of God and how it works. And you see this within within the reform camp with people thinking that God only loves the elect and not the rest of mankind. And you see this outside of the war, the reform camp with people thinking that God loves the rest of mankind equally. And And none of those are quite right. And so we're going to talk about, like, how how God loves his church, how God loves creation in general, and and what that means for us, and then how we get to respond to that. And this is all news to Mark, because I really didn't give him much other than, hey, our topic's the love of God. So we'll see how that goes. But yep. But anyway, so yeah, let's go ahead and, and jump right in. So you hear a lot of, of people will, especially within the Reformed community, so actually specifically within the Reformed community, theologians will take John 3.16 and kind of play... Like theological gymnastics with it, to try and make a way that the world, the word "world" there doesn't actually mean the world. And I think it's it's an abuse of, of hermeneutics. I think it's an abuse of the text when we when we try to make it say something it's not, because it, it's pretty clear there. The word is is cosmos. It's the Greek cosmos. It's not ethnos, which whenever, pretty much whenever we see the word. World without qualifiers being used to mean people of nations or people of all nations that you use ethnos instead of cosmos when the word cosmos is used almost almost 100 percent I'm not quite 100 percent but almost 100 percent of the time it is it is meant all of humanity is tied up in that and so we've seen John 3:16 for God so loved the world that whoever believes or that he sent his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life and I don't know how many different flavors I just meshed together there, but that's that's what the verse says. Um, but I think I've memorized in a couple of different translations, so I might have mixed them up together. But anyway, <laughs> people will say, like, uh, as I want to say John Owen was one of them, and, and maybe A.W. Pink, that kind of played with this word a little bit to try to make an Only Mean Believers. Am I off on that? Do you have any idea on that? Mark?
1: Uh, I'm not sure I'm not aware of pink doing that that doesn't that's not to say he didn't but I haven't ever read anything on pink I could be totally off on with it that mentioning way pink uh owen definitely did owen okay. yeah owen definitely played with it to try to make it say something different yeah um and he got he got he 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 was the one who got very into the it means ethnos more than anything and um instead of just every. Everybody, he tried to make it like a specific people within people groups kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And and I mean props to Owen for, you know, doing some digging and, and trying to stick with a, a, a theological frame. The problem is John three sixteen is not problematic with a Calvinist worldview or a reformed worldview. Like there's no issue with that. There's no Yeah, no there's no issue with saying God so loved the world, the entire world, all of humanity, and saying God has elected a people from that world. And God has a special kind of love for those people, and and so there yeah. there is a problem when you have the understanding that I think most um, your your standard American Christian has, which is the understanding that for God so loves the world all exactly the same, which isn't what John three sixteen is saying either, and and so I think there is a, a danger there if you begin to think that God loves the unregenerate in the same fashion that He loves his church so he loves them both but in the same way that i i love mark in a different way than i love my wife i have a special love for my wife that's different from a love for my friend and marks probably a a bad example because he's you know
1: (laughs) okay don't say that
0: no i'm just saying no because you're a good you're a good friend and so you know i even have kind of a special kind of love for you not the same as for my wife but you know more so than the general populace (laughs) um but also, our, our Facebook Live broadcast stopped. My bandwidth is just too low to run it right now, so we'll go ahead. And if you watch the first part of it, you can pick up on it, the rest of it here. So, anyway, I have a, I have a different kind of, of love for my wife than the rest of the people. And God has a different kind of love for his church than he does for the rest of the world. And so, Mark, I'm actually going to let you jump in here and talk about talk about this, because you've, you've brought this up to me before, and I think you put it really well. And you've had discussions around this before about whose who's mind who was on the mind of Christ on the cross. I'm going to let you hop in and, and run for a little bit here.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, so I know I've talked, yeah, we've talked about this before and I've, um, I've had this conversation with a lot of people where it was actually when I was sharing, when I'd first kind of come to the un- an understanding of what Calvinism was and the doctrines of grace and those kinds of things, I was talking with a guy I went to church with, um, about that, and he was on the other side of the perspective, pers- other side of the spectrum, where he was very Armenian. And uh, in talking to him, his whole thing, basically, him, when it, you, especially talking about election and God's, this plays into God's love, obviously, and, and the the love that he has for his people versus his love for just creation in general. Um, this guy kept bringing up well who was on Christ's mind when he died on the cross cuz that's who he died for was who he was who did he set out to die for on the cross basically and that at the time was like oh that's i mean that's a good question and i, I understand that and so i started reading and studying and searching for like who who was on on Jesus's mind when he died on the cross and so what really stands out to me with that is very, it's super evident in the Gospel of John, in my opinion, where we read what Jesus was praying when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because, and that's important, because that is Jesus's prayers and time with his Father before he went and died on the cross. That was what was on his mind. That was what he was planning to do. He knew it was imminent, and right after, like he's arrested in the garden and taken and put on trial and eventually crucified. And so this is the last kind of recorded area where we see Jesus just communing with the Father and the Spirit, um, preparing himself. And in that, especially if you read through John, John 17 in particular, um, we see Jesus talk specifically and, and there's a, there's a, in context, he's speaking about the disciples, but, um, the other thing I think we need to realize, people need to realize when they try to contextualize that, like, because I've had people write this off as just, well, Jesus was only talking about the disciples. That's fine, but Jesus had more than 12 disciples. There was twelve, the 12 that were the close disciples, Right. but Jesus was followed by hundreds throughout his entire ministry, and they were all disciples. They were all his followers by definition. And so Jesus is is focused on those people. And we, as Christians, are a part of those people. We are his disciples. We are his followers. And in this time, Jesus is praying. And he says, um, when praying to the Father, in John 17, I'm going to read from there. He says, I've manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the Son of Destruction, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. So, Jesus in his prayer to the Father makes it extremely evident that his prayers, his words, his his mind is set on his people. His mind is set on his disciples. That is who he's focused on. That is who he is going through this torture for. He knows that he has to die in order for them to be in order for their redemption to happen, their justification to happen, for that uh, relationship to be restored. Because his whole prayer is focused on, now that I'm leaving the world, Father, keep them, because the same way that I've kept them while here, keep them in your name, keep them close to you the way that I did. And he knows that his death has to happen in order for that relationship to happen. And so I think it's it's clear when you read through Jesus' prayers in the garden and, and where his mind was, Jesus died, effect, his, his effectual grace was focused on those who were close to him, and those who he was there to save, it wasn't a general, Jesus was not an, he didn't die non-specifically, it wasn't a, well, I'm gonna, like, people use the, you hear the blank check, um, analogy yeah right? and we got into this a little
0: bit when we talked about limited atonement yeah
1: and so I, and, and to clarify with that we did talk about that a little bit and, and to reiterate I'm not saying that Jesus' death couldn't cover the sins of all
0: right it is sufficient
1: it, it is sufficient but it's not effectual Jesus' death effectively covered only his people. That was his intention from the beginning. That was what he set out to do. He specifies in his prayer, "I'm not here speaking to you and praying for the world, but only for those who you have given me."
0: Exactly. Yeah, and and I mean, you mentioned it there, and the rest of Scripture makes it clear that's who he was. He was purchasing, and you see in Ephesians where we're, the church is called the Bride of Christ, and again, Revelation, and, and in several parables as well throughout the Gospels, you see the church referred to as his Bride. And that, that wording is not by mistake. That wording is, again, showing that, that special kind of love that God has it's for his church. That, that covenant love. Church. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. That covenant love that he has for His his church, for his Bride. And so, and by his bride, I specifically mean Christ. I'm not saying we're the bride of the Father, so don't go heresy hunting on me. But, um, <laughs> but yes, there is there is a special love that God has for His Church that's unique. And, and again, we use the picture of the of the bride with Christ, but we also see the picture of adoption with the Father. Yeah. And and again, that that same type of the way that you're going to love your daughter differently than you love other children, or I'm going to love my child differently than I love other children, because there's, a, there's just a different aspect to that relationship. And so, yeah. again, that's not to say that God doesn't love the world. I think I think in Genesis, we find it very clear that because of the Imago Dei, God loves mankind. Throughout the law, there is protection placed on people. As far as we're, we're not supposed to, as a general rule, we're not supposed to destroy image bearers and and there yeah. are obviously places where the sin brings destruction on those image bearers. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't so love them in some sense, as he loves his creation, his creation, which was good if now tainted. He, he loves his creation. But again, in, in a more general sense, not in the specific kind of love that he has for his bride and his church. And I, I realize that this may be a bit of a more controversial topic, but the... The point I'm marker trying to make is is that Reformed folk really got to stop saying that God only loves the elect. Yeah, and it's also very important that we differentiate between the the love that He has for the elect and the love that He has for mankind in general, because both sides can lead, lead to grave error. Um, absolutely. So,
1: and I, I've said for I've said for a long time that I think one of the issues within the church, I think this is a human thing, period, but it manifests itself often in the church, is that we swing the pendulum too far one way or the other. Yeah, 100%. And so, I think that kind of the, the reformed attitude or or argument that God only loves the elect is wrong. That is, that is a pendulum swing too far to one side. But I think that some of that is the result of, or at least in response to, the pendulum too far on the other side where you have there's a lot of people, especially in the American church today, we have, there's tons of people who say that go basically universalist because they're like, well, if God loves all of his creation, how could God send anyone that he loves to hell? And so there yeah. has to be that, that differentiation between the two. God loves people differently. That doesn't mean he is without love for others, but it means that his love for his people is much stronger and much different. It, has, it leads to a different outcome.
0: 100%. I think, too, and this wasn't on the docket, I just want to bring it up because I think it's a, a, a good thing that's relevant to the conversation, is that the love of God is not incompatible with the wrath of God. Like, the two aren't mutually exclusive. And I, from a human standpoint, that's really hard to wrap our heads around. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think I think that's part of where reform people tend to lean towards that, oh, well, God loves the elect because the rest are being damned to hell. And, and the wrath of God and punishing... Sinners, again, he's not punishing sin in hell, he's punishing sinners in hell. That doesn't mean he didn't love them. Again, I've brought this verse up, I don't know how many times on this podcast. I'll bring it up again in Ezekiel, where he says, The Lord does not delight when the wicked perishes, but when he turns from his way and follows the Lord. And so, it's clear that, that God has a, a love for mankind in that, in a, in a general sense. But again...
1: We, we see God grant mercy to people throughout Scripture that deserve none
0: oh yeah and we see it now like there's so many people walking around blaspheming God spitting in his face that he shows mercy and, and love towards when again yeah, you, I mean you the fact you that you and I are here can't show
1: mercy without some kind of love that it's not possible for God to be merciful and not loving at the same time
0: I, yeah I agree and the fact that like the fact that anyone is here is a display of God's common love towards humanity which we may call as common grace I think those two go hand in hand absolutely because if he didn't love us, we would all get what we deserved, which is hell immediately. And even yeah. those who are unregenerate are not immediately sent to hell. So
1: and 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 with that too, like I mean,
0: I guess they are on death, but you know what I meant. They're not like
1: yeah created so, in hell. Just to just to give re- more reinforcement to this, the aspect that God has love for people, even if they aren't uh, redeemed people. So, there's never, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think I am, but there's never a time that I can recall in scripture where God commands that his people love something that he doesn't love himself, right?
0: Yeah, like, I see where you're going here, and I like this train of thought.
1: Yeah, God God doesn't command us to love something that he doesn't love himself, and Jesus' entire ministry was built around loving those around us, caring for them, preaching to them, sharing the gospel with them, and... He talks about being non-aggressive. He talks about being generous and providing for those in need. There's, there's no way that God would command those things of us and expect those things of us if he didn't love them in some way. And to anyone... God's, who, God's love for his creation extends to his command to us to also love his creation and love those around us.
0: Yeah. And to anyone who would take that and go, well, he's talking about loving those around us who are the church or the bride of Christ... I mean, all you have to do is look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and, yeah, absolutely. And he who is your neighbor, those you're in contact with. It's not those who are pious, not those who are good, it's those who you're in contact with. Sometimes those who would culturally be your enemy, as was the case in, in that parable. I mean l-
1: he literally the, the Sermon on the Mount, love your enemy as yourself, pray for those who persecute you. Exactly. It's, it's not it's it's not limited to the church. There's plenty of con there's plenty of things in scripture that people take out of context and apply to all that are limited to the church. This is not one of them.
0: Right. And so, so what, what do we do in response to that? I think, I think two things should happen. I think they go hand in hand and they go with what, what we're talking about here towards the end of this, of this topic. When we see this love of God, I think first off, it's important to remember because it's easy, especially, and this is what, what just baffles me with reformed people or people who say, Oh, you only love, he only loves the elect. Like the very fact that we came to a point where we were saved, I guess that proves God's love for us because we are in the elect now. But I think it can lead to a mentality of of elitism or or feeling special, which we've mentioned before, is, is very bad and very dangerous. Because we tend to look down on those who aren't and go, well, God doesn't love them, so why should I? And so that's dangerous. We should instead be overwhelmed by the fact that, holy cow, while I was his enemy, while I was was the one who, who despised him. I mean, we were in Mark 12 this morning at church and it's the parable of the the man who built the vineyard and he sent his servants and his servants were killed by the tenants. And then he sends his son and his son is killed by the tenants. And it says he's going to come back and he's going to judge those and put in new people. But the fact that the, the man kept... Sending servants and then sent his son and didn't send an army to just raise the place showed that he cared for those people or at least, you know, every analogy breaks down and parables only go so far. But we see that with God because he sent the prophets and then he sent his son. And that shows his love for the world, even though he sent those specifically to his people. Their message was going out to the world. And so we, we see that love that God has for I, us when we totally didn't yeah. deserve it. When we were the tenants who were beating up and killing the prophets. I, I know it I know the prophets don't exactly go out to the world in the same way as Christ's message, if that's what you are going to jump in and say. No, that. no,
1: I, w- I was going to bring up, uh, again, another story from Scripture that I think demonstrates this too uh, and leads to a very, ha- has a very um, wrathful outcome. But when we read in the Old Testament with Sodom and Gomorrah and yep. the wickedness that was happening there and you have Moses, not Moses, Abraham pleading with, with God to spare them, God, God tells Moses, "If there's a hundred men that are righteous, I will spare the entire city." All right, ten men, one like God's. Whole, God, you see, God delay His wrath because He wants people to repent. He has a desire for them to not be destroyed. Like you said in Ezekiel, God does not take joy in in the destruction and, and the outpouring of His wrath. He's glorified in those things, but it's not the same. He, he's not. Uh, there's not
0: the same delight as He takes in.
1: And the Redemption. repentance of people, yeah. And so again, and, and so, yeah.
0: Hear us here, like if God's will was that none should perish, none would perish. It's his his desire, and there's a difference there. And as far as like comprehending that, I don't think we can fully. Um, a lot of people debate over that, or fight over that, or argue over that. I don't see God's desire for the wicked to turn, and God's election as contrary to each other. But that's because His ways are higher than our ways, and we can't fully comprehend them. And so that's where I just have to rest on that one because well, I, think, I know we said both I'll give, and I know both yeah, are true wh- go ahead
1: wh- one analogy I have that has helped me with kind of again I do think there's an, an aspect of it where it is incomprehensible for us but I think part of it too and I had this explained to me by a guy that we went to school with um, where there's, you can have a desire or you can have multiple desires and know through wisdom that one is greater than the other, other so that is what will be carried out and so you know we have in scripture a lot of people try to say that calvinism isn't true because god says scripture says that god desires none should perish but that all should come to know him well god can have that desire and i think we see that desire through his love throughout scripture but god also has the wisdom to know that even though that would be great that is not how it's going to happen and that's and there's reasons for that god is glorified through all of the attributes we could talk about that for a long time right and so again I don't think we fully understand it but we we can at least have an understanding that just because we may have a desire for something we we may know even though that's a desire that it's not the best thing for us and God knows that perfectly better than we do but it's the same way that um I rem- I remember being a kid and like as as a parent I think that you always have a a desire to uh for your kids to have fun and and be joyful and do those different things that's always a desire in your heart but there's moments where that's not going to be true and you know that that is for their best and so i think that it's possible to desire something and not allow that to be the will and i think god um understands that more perfectly than we do and so like like you said they're not they're not contradictory to each other they can go hand in hand and it's I think that's something that's helped me understand it at least a little bit, though I don't fully comprehend it. It's a perspective to remember, I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and I'll also just throw this disclaimer out. That wasn't what Mark and I were planning on talking about, so not everything is fully fleshed out and probably fully said, you know, where it's going to yeah, make perfect probably. sense there. So give us <laughs> give us some leeway on that. Um, but yeah, but my point in all this was, we're Sodom and Gomorrah. We're the tenants who are beating up the prophets and, and murdered the, the son. Like, that's us. We don't get to look down our noses and go, oh, look at the rest of the world. That That's us. And so this love of God that he has, and again, getting into the specific love that he has for the elect as the elect, it should overwhelm us. Like, the love of God is not something they come to haughtily or come to and go, oh, look what I have, and they don't. It should, it should Absolutely overwhelm not. us and then drive us to exactly what you brought up before, the command that we've been given to love the world. When we see that God has loved us so greatly... And then we see that he has this this desire and this love for the world. That should be our desire and our love, too. Again, fully knowing that sin is, is deserving of the wrath of God and that he's going to be glorified and he is just in punishing sinners as he sees fit. But also knowing that we've been commissioned to go into the world to share the gospel. And, and this is where it gets tricky because I think a lot of the time we decide we're going to go into the world and share the gospel because it's what we've been told to do. And that's only half of the picture. We've been commissioned to go and share the gospel because we love people. Because we love people. That has to be our motivation is love for God and then love for others. And, yeah. and it can't just be something that we have to check off the box because, oh, well, this is what God said I'm supposed to do in Matthew 28. Like, that's a serious issue. If we're going without love, Paul tells us, might as well be walking around smashing symbols together in people's faces because we're doing about the same amount of good. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure that's the uh, the message translation of it. <laughs> <laughs> Walk around, smash people in the face with the symbol. Um,
1: Sounds accurate,
0: but yeah. So that's that's our our brief overview on the love of God. Unless there's anything you want to add here before we wrap up, Mark. Our,
1: no, I, th- I think that we talked about uh, some good stuff, and yeah, I don't want to. I mean, we could go on for hours, but that's not what we're here to do. so Yeah,
0: <laughs> and and you could. And the love of God is so so amazing. I love that Vast. song, the the love of God. You know if, if it Every man were a scribe and the ink was a scroll. We couldn't we couldn't contain it. I mean, the sky was a scroll and the ocean was ink. We couldn't write about the love of God enough. Like it's it's yeah, just so true. Absolutely. It's it's so overwhelming and it's so amazing. And I think I think there's a danger within the Reformed camp that we have of forgetting about how amazing and just glorious that love is. And it's yeah. ironic because we shouldn't, because it's that amazing and glorious love that has elected and, and redeemed us. I know. Yeah. I I know. I at least I'm not like trying to cast stones at reform people. I feel like I've been no. doing that this whole cast. I'm guilty of that,
1: and, for sure. And that's I, again, I think that's another example for us of the pendulum going too far in one direction to try to compromise. Where there's been such a focus on God's love, love, and a neglect of other things in the past, like the recent past. There's been a neglect of things outside of His love that we focused on people. those and
0: neglected the love.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think that there needs to be a balance found because we need all of those things. God's attributes are working perfectly together, and we need to know and understand and have a appreciation for all of them.
0: Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So so there you go. Uh, if you want to – I think this is going to be a decent transition here too. Good recommendation on a book about the love of God. That by a guy that some people might get a little tilted that I'm recommending a book by him but I don't care Francis Chan's Crazy Love does a mm. really good job of covering the love of God in, in a biblical perspective in my mind and so I'm going to make that my book recommendation
1: I'm more tilted than a tilt-a-whirl no,
0: <laughs> I mean he's he's done some goofy stuff I think Francis Chan has gotten frustrated by seeing that lack yeah. of love and so that's pushed him towards more of those charismatic circles where they do that a little bit more um, yeah, I agree. So I still appreciate and crazy.
1: It. Crazy Love is a good book. Yeah, it is very good.
0: Yeah, Crazy Love is fantastic. So that's has my book recommendation, my media recommendation for this week is going to be Anti Tribeca. So <laughs> my wife and I started watching it. It's a show that's written by Steve Carell. It has Rashida. Luke's Jones. been texting
1: me about this all week.
0: It's well, it's just fantastic because it's it's like Get Smart in a TV show. And so it's just like over-the-top moronic. Get
1: Smart was a TV show dummy. Was
0: it? I thought it was a movie.
1: Oh, dude, you're killing me. I've never watched Get yeah. Smart,
0: so, you know, I just heard Get from smart. you. I've heard enough from you Get about it s- that I knew. Okay, so it's like Get, Get Smart. Get
1: Smart was a TV show, like back with like Hogan's Heroes and things Right, like but that, then
0: didn't Steve Carell make a Get Smart Steve movie? Steve Carell did a movie, Okay, yes. that was my point. It was like the Steve Carell movie, in but it's in a, a TV okay. show format. Um, and every actually like everywhere I've read like people actually like this show they think it's a better version of Steve Carell's movie Get Smart so it's, it's gotten pretty I need
1: to watch it I'm sure
0: it's gotten pretty high praise for it but it so you got that Steve Carell has great connections so there's a bunch of really good cameos and it's just yeah it's a fantastic and funny show again not one you probably want to watch with the kids but Otherwise, it's yeah. it's pretty great. So
1: watch with discernment.
0: Yep, <laughs> but there's my recommendation. Smart, go ahead.
1: All right, so my book recommendation, and this book recommendation is coming.
0: You can't do Lord of the Rings. You. you did do that
1: one last week. Yeah, I know. That's it. Almost. It, that's why I was asking because I was going to rec- a Lord of the Rings, and then I remember that is what I did last week. Um, so this comes out of you actually mentioning him earlier this podcast, but uh, the Sovereignty of God by A.W. Pink. If you haven't read that, it's it's pretty long, pretty intense, but it's a good um, – it's, it's just a good examination of God's sovereignty.
0: And if you um, want to look at Love, too, he also has a good book called The Attributes of God.
1: He does. Is that pink or is that one Tozer?
0: No, that's pink. Tozer is Knowledge of the Holy. Knowledge of the Holy. There you go. Which would say there are no but, attributes to God, which I agree with. But
1: we'll get. I, I get – I get so confused between the two of them because they're both A.W. and so Yeah, but they
0: both write very differently.
1: They do. And, I mean, they came from different theological perspectives, too. Yeah, but I appreciate um, both of them. Oh, they're both great, by far. So, um, media recommendation. But, yeah, so- Sovereignty of God by Pink. Very good book. Media recommendation. So, I'm going to recommend... Um, I started playing a game yesterday called Mirror's Edge Catalyst. If you, I, don't I know thought you were going to say Bloodborne ever, No not you. Bloodborne um, the I don't too know bright. if you've ever played
0: I can <laughs> Well he has the sun Shining directly on his TV It's like of course the screen is too bright dummy
1: Okay So uh, I I remember playing the, fir- the original Mirror's Edge When it first came out on the Xbox And it was a fun game uh, And I started playing Wait, Catalyst Wait you're just now because, playing Catalyst? Yeah
0: Dude you got I, that like back in December
1: yeah, I just haven't gotten around to playing it, dude. I haven't started Shadow of War either. That game's still in its packaging. Dude, you need like- <laughs> to play
0: Shadow of War. That game is fantastic.
1: <laughs> so I started playing Mirror's Edge Catalyst. That's one of my top this games this of
0: 2017. You need to play it.
1: Gotcha. So Mirror's Edge Catalyst, it's it's a fun game. It's a very unique game. If you get motion sick, it's probably not for you because it's a, it's a first-person por- parkour game. So, Hardcore um, parkour! It gets really um, daunting graphically and like the way that the visuals work, but it's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying it. Nice. So that's my, those are my records.
0: Cool. All right. So there you go. We talked about games that transfers right into our GPU conversation. So
1: for those of you that don't know what a GPU is, it's GPU a gross product gr-
0: unlicensed. Oh, okay. No, go ahead.
1: It's a graphics processing unit.
0: Most people just call it a graphics card. Yeah. So,
1: or a video card or something like that.
0: Yeah. So, Within that, you have, like, two major distributors, I guess. Uh, not distributors, but manufacturers. Is that a better way to say uh, it? NVIDIA two, and AMD? Yeah, they
1: Because they're, they're not... Know, the, like, there's,
0: MSI and all those guys would be the distributors, wouldn't they? Well, they're the manu- manufacturers. Like they manufacture Designers, own. then? So AMD and NVIDIA yeah, are the designers? Com-
1: yeah, AMD and NVIDIA design the technology and the software that goes okay. into them.
0: So, yeah. So you have the, those two are, like, the major ones everyone knows. Well, there's a handful of other ones out there, but those are the... The, the reputable and, yeah. and solid ones. Nvidia usually packs a little more bang off the start. AMD usually lasts a little bit longer and keeps a higher bang longer.
1: Yeah, very much so, so, and they're more affordable. Yeah, normally,
0: and and that's like one of the main differences between marketized computers. I run a Nvidia 1070, and you have what do you have again?
1: I've got an R nine three ninety X. Okay, he has got AMD.
0: R nine three ninety X. But. Shortly after the 1000 series was released from Nvidia, which thankfully I got mine like right after they were released, and so I didn't have this happen to me.
1: Yeah, which is the most recent one. Yeah, that's their most up to date series.
0: Right, and shortly after they were released, it was found that they were actually really decent for mining like Ethereum. That that was the main one I heard of. I don't I don't remember off the top of my head if there were any other cryptocurrencies that were good at just mining.
1: Crypto mining period. Usually takes a hard, heavy hit on graphics cards, right? And so,
0: and the uh, 1000 series because of the way they were designed and some of the stuff they had in them allowed for a cheaper option to do some cryptocurrency mining.
1: Yeah. So, so part of it factors into essentially that. So the 10 series is specifically gaming graphics cards, and so there's different graphics cards that do different things. Like people who maybe are into like video production and things like that will use. Uh, more perf- what are called performance like the cards Titans. or processing cards like the Titans that while they can be good for gaming, it's not really economical for gaming because they're much more expensive. But if you're doing using them for video things or uh, stuff like that, they're usually the series that you want. The 10 hundred series was very, very good. Uh, it was on par with some of those. Um, it
0: actually passed up for the Titans in a couple of areas. No, performance cards. Obviously yeah. not everything, but a couple of
1: areas. And, and so, while that was part of the reason for it, the other aspect of it was just that cryptocurrency was starting to become very, very big, and Bitcoin kind of took off it much, much more. And yeah. because
0: of that, people got much more interested in cryptocurrency. So what all that led to was a bunch of people buying up those cards as soon as they came in stock, and it's still happening. Like as soon as they come in stock, they're pretty much getting snapped, snatched up by people who want to do cryptocurrency mining. Yeah, and so and I
1: will say it's while while the the. NVIDIA or the GTX series, the 1000 series, is the most popular ones for that. It's affecting uh, AMD as well. Some of AMD's more recent cards are being used for it too.
0: Gotcha. See, I looked up today just out of curiosity, and the the Radeon cards, which are pretty comparable to the the GTX 1000 series, seemed like you could still get some of those at market value.
1: Well, see, that's the thing. Their prices are lower, but that's because AMD, like the AMD, like. I'm looking right now, if you look at like the RX, specifically the RX series, which is their most recent, the 480s and 580s, or uh, you get into the, um, oh, I don't even remember what it's called, the Red Dragons, the, uh, the Vegas, the RX Vegas. Mm-hmm. Those are their really big cards. And they're basically costing what the 1000 series cost.
0: That's true, because like the they was about value. 300 bucks. when yeah. it dropped, and it's like 500 now.
1: Yeah, so they've inflated by a couple hundred bucks as well. But dude, like I looked
0: up a ten seventy today, and it's a thousand bucks to get a new yeah, one.
1: It's crazy, and I got
0: mine for like four hundred.
1: Yeah, four hundred was the market release for ten seventy. I think six hundred was the market 1080. release for ten eighty. Yeah, and those things are up to about twelve hundred dollars now, if you can even find them.
0: Yeah, and so, so yeah, like Mark said, because that, the prices have been driven way up, it's hard to find a new one. Um, my recommendation is honestly, even though they are a little higher priced than initial release. If the just go for one of the AMD RX, the Radeons, like the RX
1: cards are great, the
0: the 480 or the 580 are both solid cards, and you're going to get those a lot cheaper than you're going to be getting an NVIDIA card right now. Um, yeah, I, I've used strictly NVIDIA with my PC just because that's what I've been used to, I've always enjoyed them, they've done well for me. Mark has been on the opposite side and used AMD, uh, so I'm going to let yeah. you go ahead and maybe give some AMD recommendations here because you probably have more of those than I do.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to give, um my my real recommendation is this: If you're wanting to build a computer and you haven't already built one, or if you're needing to upgrade, uh, wanting to upgrade your graphics card, wait. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's honestly that, it. That's just my wait. number one recommendation: is wait. Eventually because eventually the market's gonna crazy back up expensive. They will come down. There's those trends happen all the time, but like right now is bad just because graphics cards have skyrocketed because of crypto mining, and there's also been a with that too. Again, building botnets, you're having to buy all kinds of parts. And so the other thing right now is RAM. Memory is mm, very, yeah. very short. And so RAM is crazy high expensive right now too. So it's it's one thing to see like one thing kind of trending upward and it's like, okay, well the other stuff is pretty normal market value. So putting together a PC, I spend a little more for this one part, but everything else is about the same. Not that big of a deal. But right now you have two things that are at some of the highest market costs as a whole that they've been at in history. And so, if you're wanting to build a computer, my my main recommendation is wait. If you're not willing to wait, um, so the RX ones again, they're not they're expensive, but they're not going to break your bank. Yeah. Um, they they're more than what they w- will be like. I and I don't know when this trend will end. That's kind of the issue with it is you can't. I tell. think as
0: we see more cryptocurrency laws and kind of see that start to level out, is when we'll start to see
1: yeah but see them drop uh, for sure
0: i mean they may drop before that but that's when we're probably gonna get a definite yeah, start could to be. drop
1: um but right now they're gonna be expensive and so um do your research wait for something to go on sale that's not likely right now because of the shortage and how hard they are to find most places aren't going to be doing big sales on them um but keep an eye out you might be able to find a deal here or there uh the so the rx series is still really good um if you can find them and go back a series, so mine is the R nine three ninety X that was towards the top of the series before the RX series, and my card actually outperforms the RX four eighty in a few different categories and is pretty much on par with it everywhere else. Yeah, that
0: and so the same cannot be said for NVIDIA. All of the ten hundreds outperform the nine hundred series.
1: Yeah, yeah, by far, sure. and that's another big defining difference between AMD and NVIDIA. Yeah, but my card, my card is now a generation old. Um, and I have not had, like, my card is, uh, it's never been slightly strained by any of the games I play, and I play pretty up-to-date games. Um, it's a very high-performing graphics card. If you again, we we talk about things mostly in the genre of gaming because that's where our focus is. That's what we use them for.
0: Yeah, I will say um, though, like because yours is yours is comparable to the 1070. I mean, it's a little it is, lower, but yeah. it's close. And like for video editing and stuff like that, which I do on occasion, it's it's run just fine for that.
1: Yeah, my my card boasts being one of the first cards that was really. Um, high level virtual reality ready. Like if I wanted to get an Oculus Rift or a, a HTC Vive, my card could handle those things. Yeah. About the only um, things
0: that Mark and I can't do is run at 4K, which all of the RX series can, if I remember mm-hmm. right. And then, but with the NVIDIA, it wasn't until you got to the 1080 that you got 4K support.
1: Yeah, and so uh, there's trade-offs, but but the AMD cards are gonna always be more much cheaper, like. I got mine much more before, cheaper. yeah, much more cheaper. Um, I got I got my RX or I got my R90 or R9 390x um, PQY WNA about about a month before the RX series actually released, and I found it on sale for like two hundred. It was it was two hundred and thirty dollars with thirty dollar mail in rebate. So I found my card for two hundred dollars, um, which is crazy cheap for the the type of card that it is and what it can do. Um, and so I will, I have beef with, with Nvidia as a whole. Like I, I get annoyed by them as a company. Yeah.
0: I, I have beef with the way they do their driver updates. It's super annoying.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Nvidia, if, if you don't keep your drivers up to date, they essentially break the ver- previous version. Yeah. So, so that you, way it will crash your computer you. and do all kinds of stuff yep, until annoying. you update. Um, they also fun story if about Nvidia. Uh, for anyone who may want to hear it, for anyone who's still interested enough in this topic to be listening, yeah, we appreciate. Yeah, I was you gonna guys. say I
0: feel like most people
1: dropped off by now. Um, but so Nvidia when they released the 1000 series, um, there was especially specifically from I think it was um MSI and XFX were the two manufacturers that had the biggest problem with it, um. They had a massive overheating problem. I think it was with the 1060.
0: Okay, AMD has done that with some processors, though.
1: Well, their processors just run hot. But no. So here's the thing. So their ten, the 1060 ser- series, when it initially released, the first like first batch that came out had some massive overheating problems because of the way that stuff was running. And so people were complaining about it, trying to figure out what to do. Nvidia's response to a mat- to an overheating issue with the cards was a software update. <laughs> oh, that's pretty You want to know what the software f- update did? Turned off the card? It made the fans spin faster. Nice. That's all they did. <laughs> I mean, that kind of helps.
0: It just burns your card <laughs> out a lot faster.
1: Exactly. So, like... It was the funniest thing in the world, where there's all these people are having the same overheating issue, and Nvidia's response is a software update that makes the fans spin faster. Wow! And it's like, come on, there's there's got to be something better that you can do. Yeah. Uh, the series after that batch of manufacturing, they fixed the heat sinks and stuff, and they've been there haven't been any complaints that I've heard of when it comes to overheating. Gotcha. Yeah, I was gonna say I um, know my ten seventy's been just fine. Yeah, so you shouldn't have that problem really. Like that's not something to watch out for, but. It's that response from NVIDIA that just makes me laugh and glad that I don't buy NVIDIA stuff.
0: Yeah, I will most likely be getting an AMD when I go to upgrade in a couple of years here. So, yeah. so yeah. So. Um, one last recommendation I'm going to give before we wrap up, and that is if you're listening and you've somehow made it this far and you're still listening, <laughs> but along the way you thought, hey, I have an NVIDIA card. I should try crypto mining. Um, it's probably not going to be worth it with what you pay for the power to run everything. So, like, unless yep. you can get several different computers running and mining pretty much 24-7, you're really not going to make any profit
1: off of it. So Yeah, the pe- the people who have gotten it, who are into mining, have what are called botnets, where they have s- massive amounts of computers that literally are dedicated to 24-7 mining cryptocurrency. Yeah. Now, I mean,
0: if you're living somewhere where you don't pay for your own power, I guess you can make a couple extra bucks.
1: Yeah, go for it.
0: <laughs> but there's also wear and tear on your card that you got to think about. So... Mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah so there's that um, if you guys have, have questions about anything we've said comments on anything we've said you can email us at air204podcast at com. you can hit us up on the facebook page or group at air204podcast you can follow us on twitter at air204podcast if you like the show make sure you go ahead and drop us a rate on iTunes share us with your friends if you want to support the show we do have merchandise for sale uh, again you can get a mug with our mugs on it or basically whatever you want with our bugs on it or some of our our other uh, other things um, and again those are all designed by Mark's wife Lindsay and she did a fantastic job with them so check those out at threadless.com look for uh, is it Elfromi or Lindsay from which one does she have it
1: I think it's Elfromi designs that's what there, I there's a there's a link on our website if you go to shows.pipa.io slash air to four podcast yeah uh, there's a link to our merch store yeah which is her store
0: so if you want to support us go ahead and do that if you hate our guts just don't tell anyone about us so we will catch you guys all in a couple weeks again we are to a bi-weekly release right now so
1: i don't know about you but i feel a lot better like doing yeah. it this way oh it yeah I, nice. I i like yeah. it. it's
0: it's nice having that week off again we love you guys we love recording but life is just getting busy so yeah this is definitely nice
1: we're becoming more adulty adults so
0: pretty much so all right well That's all, folks. We'll catch you guys in a couple weeks. Bye! Bye!